Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today, we're gonna be sitting down with Tom and Laura, founding board members of This Is Houston, which is a Houston-based rescue focusing on dogs others would rather euthanize, whether they're severely sick or injured, No matter what, they fight for them until there is no fight left. We were so honored to have this powerhouse couple on to touch on the start of their rescue, the reality of animal welfare in Texas, and the experiences that have shaped them along the way. If you like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button to listen in on similar stories. Other than that, let's get started. Hi there. We are so excited to chat with you. Honestly, I feel like anyone who doesn't know the name like This Is Houston is just like living under a rock as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so nice to have you on and we're we're so happy to finally be able to chat. How are things over on your end? (laughs) Thank you. It's good talking to you guys too. Everything's going good. Going really well. Staying very busy. (laughs) I can only imagine. So... We always like to kind of roll back the clock and really reflect on how the heck this all got started. (laughs) So so tell us, how did you first get into animal welfare? That would be Laura first. She got started and I kind of just kind of got involved with it because of her. But Well, I moved here to Texas from Buffalo, New York. And as far as I knew, the world was great. There weren't any strays. All of the animals were loved. And when I moved into my first apartment, it was kind of in a, an area with a lot of strays. So I would drive to work and I would see a dog and I would be like, oh my gosh, there's this dog. This is not right. Like whose dog is this? I need to do something. But it all started there. And quickly, I realized that Houston had this overwhelming stray problem. So I would rescue dogs on my own independently and kind of made a name for myself in the rescue community that way. And I got associated with a lot of rescue groups, but I never worked with with any and just fostered. And so my friend, Amanda, she also independently rescued too. And after like eight years of, of doing it on our own, we just kind of were like, oh, we need to form our own rescue and do things our way. And I was with Tom at the time. So we all founded this rescue. This is Houston together. That's incredible. It is so funny thinking back, even just for myself, and like, and the world was happy and bright and stray dogs are a make-believe thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Especially, I can only imagine like the kind of awakening that you have in a place like Houston, where it really is so clear as day. We've had a number of different rescuers on that are in the Houston area. And really, it's just all they talk about is just like, yep, it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can't unsee it too. Once you see it once or twice, you start seeing it an absurd amount of times and you you start to think back like how many times did I not notice or how many you know how many animals did I pass by that I just wasn't open to seeing because I didn't realize that this was an issue 
it's insane to think that. Yeah. And like once you're in the rescue world, you're just like mind blown and there's dogs everywhere. And you're like, how can I not help? And it's just so overwhelming. And that's really when we got started, when Laura got started and I was got involved with her. It was basically street rescuing where we were picking up dogs off the street. We were trapping them or, or transporting them for people and just getting involved any way we could. And I think because of that, even now, Laura's head is on a swivel when we're driving. I mean, if there's a dog on the road, whether it's alive or dead, she's going to see it. I guarantee. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, look at your phone. Look at your phone. Just don't pay attention. <laughs> you will always find a dog driving yeah. around in Houston. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that too. I know Sydney's sister, I think part of her vows were, and we will stop for every stray dog yes. we will we see. And I'm oh. like, man, that's going to be a long drive. Like uh, you're going to be stopping <laughs> all the time. You don't live in Houston, do you? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, otherwise I think she'd be late to every social gathering. <laughs> I say, although I think she is going to be coming down here probably in the next few years. So this will definitely be the territory for it. Yeah. <laughs> we always like to get into, I feel like a lot changed over the past couple of years, just with the way things were happening in the world. I'm wondering if you can set the landscape for people, maybe not in the area, who maybe don't understand the stray problem and how things are in Houston. Do you feel like they're the culture that people have? It's a, a lot of animal lovers. Is it a lot of people who just let their dogs run around and uh, live their life. <laughs> what are things like in Houston? It's so hard to describe, you know, and we have people online that don't understand, you know, if we see a dog or try and network a dog, they'll get onto us. Maybe if we're not picking it up or, or whatever, but they don't understand what it's like. And we try and to explain it to them and they just don't get it. I would never not help that dog. Well, there's another one a block away. There's a pack two blocks from there. I mean, it's just not possible. I mean, it's so bad. And I think it's culture is one thing. I think weather has a lot to do with it too. Laura doesn't agree, but I think like in the Northwest places where it's really cold, strays, they're not able to last through the winter. So it's kind of nature's taking care of things. We're here. We do have some, I mean, they die of heat, they die of cold, but there's not a whole lot of the extreme cold that anyway, I think that plays a lot into it, but I don't know. There's a lot of animal lovers. So there's a lot of animals. There's a lot of people that just don't understand. I think laws are a big issue. I think we need spay and neuter laws. We just don't have any way to control the population. Everybody wants to breed. Everybody love animals, but. They love them so much they want to make more of them and sell them and make money off of them. You guys are a foster-based rescue. Even when you see an animal, I think a lot of people don't realize that you have to have a home for that animal. You know, you could take in five or 10 animals, but that's also five or 10 homes that they need to go to. I'm wondering only because I know with the pandemic and things like people going back to work in the past year, the foster situation has been a little hot and cold for, for different rescues. How has it been for you guys in particular? I feel like fosters and donations were really good throughout the pandemic until now. Until just the last few months is when it seems like everything is falling off. That is interesting too, because I think that's the trend that we've also been seeing. It's weird that 
at Cuddly, I feel like we <laughs> get like a an overview of so many different states and so many different types of rescue that when we see a trend through so many of them, it, it feels like quite a shock. Let's go back to maybe a happier time because I know it was on like the top of everyone's like news channels that shelters were empty and the world is suddenly like so hopeful and happy in this one area. Is that where you were seeing in Houston? Because I can only imagine with that many strays, it feels like it could have been a harder reality. Yeah. Our shelters are never empty. Sometimes they'll do like free adoptions or $25 adoptions, which a lot of people celebrate and they're like, oh, go get a free dog. It costs nothing. But then on our hand, we always see where these free dogs end up. And, you know, so we are nervous about those free adoptions and empty the shelter things. But yeah, our shelters are are never empty. They're always full. And recently they started doing intake by appointments, but they're, they're public shelters. So like one shelter, they're not going to have appointments for like two, three months to turn in a stray. So people are picking up dogs thinking, oh, I'm doing a good thing. I'll, I'll bring it to the shelter. And then they're like, oh, we don't have appointments for two months. So you have to hang on to the dog until then. Or sometimes they'll tell people you have to go bring it where you found it. So that, that led to a lot of dumping because there's nothing to do with them. You know, a lot of people can't hang on to these dogs for two months. So I I would say our shelters are kind of a problem, but not because they don't care, but because there's, there's not enough to do. There's too many dogs and they're drowning too. Well, we have two really big shelters. One is the city of Houston. And then there's the Harris County, which is a really big County. And Harris County shelter just recently put out a notice that they're waiving all adoption fees indefinitely. So, I mean, that's kind of scary. And I know they're doing it so they can move dogs out. They don't have to euthanize them, but I don't know. Free adoptions never seem to end up well for the dogs. Sometimes, but usually they, I mean, there there are some that, that work out, but as a whole, I don't think it's a good Um, practice. Yeah. There's definitely no such thing as a free dog. That's for sure. (laughs) Anyone who owns, who is a pet parent knows there's no such thing as any free pet. Yeah. That's an interesting strategy. And it'll be, um, I think interesting to see who else adopts that as well, because I know that there's different frames of mind for how open adoption should be. And I know, that's always like a debate between a lot of different organizations, rescues and shelters. And I feel like the majority of people we talk to, though, feel like there should be at least some level of checks and balances, <laughs> especially as a as a rescue. I can only imagine you put your heart and soul into helping an animal and helping them get as healthy as possible and just passing them off to anyone feels impossible, I think. Speaking as a foster, I would be appalled. (laughs) I'd be like, no, thank you. (laughs) I will hold on to this animal. (laughs) It seems like you're one of a few rescue couples that we've encountered. (laughs) How has that been for your relationship in your home life? Because I can only imagine as a couple, a lot of people are just arguing about doing the dishes, but having that many personalities (laughs) in your home has to add 
some level of uh let's call it excitement to your relationship for sure for sure yeah i mean we live together we work together we run the rescue together i mean we literally work for the same company as well so we're always together and <laughs> it seems like even when we're at work we're still working on the rescue i mean that takes up so much of our time and yeah there's arguing it's stressful it's very stressful <laughs> But I mean, I feel like as involved as we are with it, if we weren't doing it together, we probably wouldn't be spending much time together because I mean, it takes up a lot of time. And if she were doing that and I was doing something else or vice versa, I mean, there's not not really time to do anything else. Were you together before Laura started taking in animals? No. No. Okay. No. It is interesting that you say that because I just feel like I have heard a lot of rescuers who are like, yes, I've lost friends because they're not into rescue and this is now my life. <laughs> For sure. Even online friends. I mean, I, I feel like pretty much all the friends that I had on Facebook before rescue, I'm either not friends with them anymore or they probably muted me or something because I never hear from any of them at all. So yeah, I mean, it's you're, if you're on rescue, that's your life. It definitely like adds a different lens to everything that you see and do for sure. I don't know about you, but I like have to stop myself sometimes from <laughs> going to my friends and being like, what are you doing? No, my friend rescued quote unquote an animal from, from Craigslist. And I was like, wait a sec. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, she doesn't know any better. Like, stop. Don't give her a lecture. (laughs) Some people just don't get it. They think the dog is just a dog, but I don't think we have many friends that that think that way. But before we got together, Tom was fostering for a couple of rescue groups on his own. But yeah, when, when we did get together, I think he was in for like a rude awakening and I had a lot of personal dogs. So he had to like learn to live with all of them too. (laughs) But it's, It's been interesting to say the least. That's really sweet though. I mean, clearly you both have the passion for it, which probably makes, I don't know, your relationship that much stronger that have you have that in common. Cause yeah, if someone was like, oh no, there's dog hair on this and like was bothered by certain things, it'd be like, ooh, this is not gonna last. I cannot imagine. I've gone so far that way to where I don't even care. I'm like, I'll go out to a restaurant. And I got hair all over me. And she's like, look at you. I'm like, I don't care. I really don't care. I always see those where it's like, it's fashion, sweetie. And it's like the dog hair all over them. Yeah, my fur coat. It's like, you my mean my fur, coat yeah. that has fur? I made it myself. Yeah. yeah. Fur coat is actually leather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so I know your name so well because, of course, all the amazing rescue stories that you've really taken on and the challenges that you've really met head on. So I know this is going to be really hard, but is there a particular rescue story that you feel like you really pride yourself on or you really carry with you when you do the work that you do? I thought you were going one way, one direction when you started asking the question and then you went the other. I thought it was just going to be one story that affected you a lot. But I think for both of us, our proudest accomplishment is um, a dog that we have here right next to us is bear he is just really i'm getting the chills even talking about it. he's just touched our hearts our souls to the core i mean it's just 
you know, he, he was in such bad shape that, you know, we weren't, nobody knew that he was going to, if he was going to make it and just couldn't believe the way he was living. And he is just the absolute best dog and he's happy. He's healthy. He's thriving for now anyways, but yeah, definitely bear. Well, and tell me, is bear a permanent resident in your home now? Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. He Say was that with hesitation a little no, bit. No, <laughs> I, I, I hesitate because it's like, duh. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, okay. No, he's not going anywhere at all. We were only supposed to foster him for about a week or two right after he got out of the hospital. We had fosters lined up. And I mean, he was here for a few days. And we, were, we were like, how are we going to tell them he's not leaving here? <laughs> I mean, he impacted us that quickly. There was no way he was at that point. There was no way he's ever going to leave. Well, Bear Bear also had two types of cancer, and so he he had to go to get treatment like every week. So that would have been hard, I think, on on any fosters. So we kind of lived near the hospital where he was going. So we're like, yeah, it'll be easy for us. And that was like 19 treatments later, and then he got into remission, but still that told us like three to 12 months, best case. He has three to 12 months to live. So we're already halfway through that. So we're like, how can we get rid of him now? If he only has six, six more months to live, we try to make every day with him the best day. And um, he's been a joy for us. You know, you hear stories about hospice and hospice dogs. I mean, most people have a hard time even imagining fostering sometimes like how can I let go? And it really does sound like he's brought a level of joy to your life. Like the idea that you have this reminder to appreciate every day and to make this day as special as you can, that feels priceless. Like that gift that he's giving to you. Absolutely. And it's not just that we want to do that for him. I mean, he's so, he wakes up just perky and happy and smiling and looking at you. And it's just like, you can see the love and appreciation in his eyes. Always, you know, you wake up and you're tired and you see that face and it just it makes you smile. I mean, he's definitely such an awesome dog. Man, that's so sweet. We have a running joke in our office that, cause we have like people's random personal pets that come in and then we have the amazing rescue stories that'll come into the office. And always the rescue dogs are just so much more well-behaved than any of our personal pets. It's like they've had several lives that they've lived and they're just like always so kind and gentle. And sure, sometimes they are missing patches of hair, but they're honestly, they've got the a heart that you can't even imagine. It really is incredible. Yeah. And, and Bear, he grew up in a neighborhood and lived there for eight years because somebody reached out to us and told us that She'd been feeding him since he was like four months old and, and she was pregnant at the time and her son is eight years. So she fed this dog for eight years, but he grew up on the streets and lived on the streets. And so when we got him, he was immediately potty trained. He can ride great in the car. He loves jumping up in the truck and just sits in the back and he doesn't bark, doesn't destroy things. Like he's the best dog. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say immediately potty yeah, trained, but, but, but well, yeah, because she, you know, she's defending them. It's because the fluids, IV fluids, but he's so good and he's so awesome. I think he peed in the foyer one time 
and we told him that was bad and took him outside and he's never done it again. I mean, it's little things like that. He's That's a dream. When he does stay home alone, I mean, when we're not here, he's not alone. There's we got a house full of dogs, but he he stays in a room with, by himself. And the first few times he would, you know, just lightly scratch the door and peel the paint away or whatever. And so took maybe twice telling him don't do that, and he doesn't do it anymore. I mean, he's just so easily correctable with everything. I mean, he's just he learns um, quickly. Yeah, but it's just crazy that a stray dog can be such a great pet. You know, a lot of people will say, I don't want a stray dog or I don't want a dog from the street. When in reality, some of them are really the best dogs you could ever ask for. Like somebody missed out on a great dog for eight years. Yeah, that's amazing. It's hard because people are might be critical of her too. But to me, I'm always amazed by people who are just going out and in their community, like just like feeding stray dogs. We hear about it. All over the United States, we hear it internationally. And to me, that is a special kind of person. And they're doing it without any award or accolade. Their friends probably don't even know they're doing it. It's uh, very interesting. It's one of the hardest things I think that that anyone could do in rescue. You see so many things. You, you want to take them all home and you can't. And sometimes you're feeding them for the last time of their life. And then, you know, that's hard. It's hard to, to grasp. But um, yeah, street feeders are really awesome. So tell me, you mentioned you have a house full of dogs. How many personal pets do you have? Personal permanent pets. I love the smiles already. <laughs> well, animal control will be knocking on our door. Yeah. Yeah. We, we. <laughs> Just too many. They were all fostered, <laughs> pretty much. They were all just dogs we brought in off the street that either she fell in love with or me, or we have one that I was like, you can't go anywhere either, but, or the ones that just nobody wants, you know, you, you don't have any other options. So we were at our hard mat. We can't even foster anymore because we have too many personal dogs. We were at our hard, hard limit when Bear came and there was a still wasn't even a question. Yeah, we're keeping them. That's a long way of saying bear makes number 11. <laughs> oh, that's, that's you win. That's that's, I love that. She just mad. She's like, don't tell. Just say and they know. all sleep on the bed with you, don't they? If uh. yes, no, but all but maybe two or three of them. That sounds crazy. And only because they choose to No, that sounds like a dream. Honestly, that's a literal dog pile. Like that is. (laughs) We added a twin bed to the end of our king. Oh my God. So it's like really long. That was like hoping Hoping they would all sleep on that bed, but they still want to be. Isn't that so funny? You can get, I I think I've bought so many dog beds in my lifetime and my dogs have used zero of them. It's always the couch where I'm sitting or the floor next to the chair that I'm sitting at or my bed. Yeah. They never use it. They want to be right up next to you. Uh (laughs) That's interesting. Okay. So my next question was going to be, how do your permanent pets feel about any fosters that you bring in? But obviously you have no, (laughs) you can't have any more (laughs) fosters. Does everyone get along in your house? That's a lot of personalities, uh-huh. man. They do for the most part, but 
there are incidences where when the lawn guy's here or mailman drops a box outside the front door, you know, little things like that will spark excitement that may turn into something. But for the most part, they all get along and like each other. We just got to be on our toes all the time because something small could turn into something big. So we're always like (laughs) just on the edge. We, like put a rotter, we put a rod iron gate, you know, so you can't get to our front door. It's, it stays locked, so nobody can come ring the doorbell. They can't knock on the door. They have to leave packages in the rain, but we have to always think of stuff like that so we don't have any loud, yeah, unexpected noises or whatever. <laughs> that sounds like chaos. <laughs> One doorbell ring. Do you walk them all at the same time? Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, people are going to be stopping you and asking about your dog walking services. Like, (laughs) yeah, we don't walk them a lot. We've tried, you know, she would take two, I would take two, and we would go walk. But then to do that, we got to put all the other ones up, you know, put them in a kennel or whatever, give them a treat. And then it's it's almost like we're leaving to go to work just to go take a couple of dogs and then come back and do the same thing with some others. And then it's just a, that's a very hard process. Well, they're all pretty lazy. Like none of them like to be outside really. So it kind of works for us, but we do have a pretty big backyard and a doggy door and one dog will just go in and out like all day, but the others are just sleeping, snoozing away. So they're really lazy. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. A rainy day with 11 dogs. That's so oh, my God. And we can't let the neighbors see us walking all the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> they have no idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, our neighbors have all these dogs. <laughs> you're like, don't worry, we run a rescue. And you're like, these aren't those though. <laughs> these are the other ones. These are mine. <laughs> um, okay, so we have some kind of fun questions then, which I think I feel like I'm living for this moment because uh, 11 dogs. There are going to be some stories, my Lord. Our first question, we always have to ask, what is the naughtiest thing one of them has done? What do you mean by naughty? I mean, we've heard a range of things. (laughs) Okay, here's an example. I believe we had one rescuer whose dog jumped over the gate they had set up. The dog pooped in that room. Then the dog jumped back over the gate. Oh, yeah. Then the Zumba... Came the through the room oh, no. or the Roomba, oh. <laughs> and so but when she came home, it was terrifying. Oh no! Oh no! I mean, so, like a bad naughty. I mean, disgusting naughty. I don't even know if it's <laughs> it doesn't naughty, need to be disgusting. I mean, but that's the thing that I just keep thinking about is one dog loves to eat poop, and she'll just go out in the yard and have a little buffet, and then she'll come. <laughs> And then she'll come in and throw up on the couch. Which, oh, no. First of all, the couch, the couch is like waterproof covers on it and then sheets over that. So like it's all protected. But yeah, she likes to throw it up back on the couch and it's so gross. Yeah. And then she turns and wants a kiss I from you. A kiss after yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh. She's a very unique dog. Very unique. I can't oh, think of any like, yeah, I can't, like, off the top of my head, I can't think of. It's hard. And then as soon as this is over, you're going to think of, like, the most epic. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
Mm-hmm. And my story is probably where your editor comes in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're going to really scare him. <laughs> uh, so we have to ask, it's, I know you, you said that you kind of partnered and worked and fostered for other rescues in the area, even outside of Houston, though. Do you have like another rescue or animal welfare group that you kind of crush on, like that you kind of think are, they're super cool and you love what they're doing? I don't know about crushing on them, but I mean, there are some rescues that I really respect, like Lola's Lucky Day is one. And I think Laura probably agrees. They're awesome. We love what they do. We try to work with them as much as we can. That's the best testimonial in itself. The fact that you want to work with them. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how you know you really, really like them. (laughs) That's definitely true. There are a lot of a lot of great rescues, but um, you know, there's also a lot of drama and and jealousy, and we're always in the middle of it. So, yeah, we don't have many many rescue friends that have. Wait, okay. Rescue. So I'm gonna stop you because you said you lost a lot of your friends when you joined rescue. You don't have many rescue friends. So are all your friends the eleven dogs in your house? Pretty much, pretty much. No, we have, we have like rescue friends, but none that actually have, well, not a lot of friends that have their own rescue. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we do have like a lot of friends within rescue that like volunteer for us or or work with us. Yeah. I feel like it is so true. It becomes so all encompassing and it is so true though, too, that there's so much little nitpicky comments and Apparently, Facebook is just turned into like a gossipy weapon. It's a hard duality, I think. But with how many fosters I imagine that you have and volunteers, I'm sure you, you're you very popular. <laughs> I, say, I mean, even if they are fair and few, I think you guys are doing incredible things. And I would say that you don't, you don't need any. If, if this is how you guys are working and this is the results that you're getting with just the, you know, small circle that you do have. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Cause again, you guys are doing incredible work as far as Texas goes, as far as the United States goes. I mean, the amount of cases that you guys bring in and and the extensive cases that you bring in and how those dogs transform in a matter of months is incredible in itself. And I don't think a lot of organizations have the capacity to do that. Yeah. We kind of fell into that actually. The first few dogs that we had were either hit by a car or Thomas was in really, really bad shape. And that just kind of touched us. You know, we wanted to help the dogs that weren't being helped. A lot of the dogs, they'd be euthanizing. People are yelling at us sometimes to euthanize some dogs and quit making them suffer. I was like, I mean, we're just trying to help them. And I don't know, doing that we kind of adopted that mindset where we just want to take on the severely sick and the, or the severely injured dogs and make those trans- transformations. And we got lucky where, I don't know, we we're able to be successful doing it. Well, I think a lot of rescue groups used to euthanize the really sick ones because why spend all this money on one dog when you can save all these? So that was like the mindset for everyone. But then we came along, I feel, and we had Thomas from the get-go and he was so injured and just bad off. And 
I don't know. I think just from there, other people seeing us make these transformations and over and over and over and even other rescues, I think everyone's just now like, okay, we can save them all. <laughs> so it's been kind of cool to see other rescues focus on, on injured dogs too. You know, we, we don't have to take up them all. And <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's just, it's all because I mean, there is that mindset where why would you spend that much money on this dog when you can save these other 50 or whatever? I think that's part of it, but it's also, you have to have the money to spend on these dogs and be able to raise it. And we have been really lucky that we've been able to do that. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Clearly you're putting so much time, energy, and heart into everything that you're doing. And people see that and they want to invest in that good that is going through their community. And I think it, it really is so amazing. I mean, the proof is in the, the stories and the different animals that you see. Truly, I feel like yours are always the ones that kind of make you pause, you know, and really give you a moment of like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I think a lot of that is a testament to Laura, keeping everybody informed on the, all the dogs, you know, always send, putting out updates, you know, always making sure that, you know, people get invested in these animals. And so they deserve to be part of that journey. And so we really strive, Laura really strives to make that happen. I, I can't tell you how much as an animal lover and foster and someone who works at Cuddly, how much that is appreciated. Just the amount of people we hear just like constantly, even if you just did an update yesterday, people want to hear about what's <laughs> oh, going on today, you know? Yes. Did he sleep okay? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We had a post, I think it was yesterday on Steve, on Steve that he was in surgery. in surgery or just out of surgery or something. And people are asking, what's on that post? You know, what's the update? How's the surgery? Like, this is the update. <laughs> <laughs> it is like almost a full-time job, just keeping everything updated, especially with all the dogs. Everyone wants to see an update. And then they're emailing. And messaging us like, hey, what's the update? Is he eating? <laughs> what's he doing right now? So Sydney helps us with that too, because we're not really good at the updates on Cuddling. Oh, yeah. I say you guys are great though, as far as posting them. I feel like if there's an animal that needs to be updated or if somebody's wondering about it, you guys are incredible about posting it yourselves. It's the knowledge is there, or you guys are so quick to get back, you know, especially with how busy you are. I need an update. I typically hear back from you guys like within that hour oh yeah well we don't want to look shady to <laughs> no no there's that but also too this is a recent statistic that like we're we're just pulling a bunch of numbers lately at, at the company and almost half of all donations that come in are from updates especially we've heard from donors they'll say well, I usually give it a little bit of time and see if everyone else jumps in and donates. And if they still need help a little bit later, that's when I jump in and make that that difference. And it's like, well, I just want to be sure I'm giving to a dog who doesn't have support from someone else. And it's just very sweet, but it really does show the importance of, even if it's the most boring update, I know I live for even the boring ones because I'm just like, is it a new photo? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and honestly, sometimes no news is good news with some of these animals that are just like taking it day by day. 
if they're still doing okay and eating and working on healing, that that's amazing on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I have one last question for you. And I think it's going to be kind of a hard one, but I think it's so important because we've seen, as we've just talked about, there's so much going on in the past few months. And I feel like it's so hard for so many rescuers. I'm wondering, because you definitely, definitely look like you still have the passion. You've got the drive. What keeps you inspired when you're doing this work? The dogs is an easy answer, so you can't say that. Are there little things that you do to keep yourself refreshed and able to take on these hard cases? No. (laughs) It's the dogs then. So steady. Yeah, I mean, we need need to like take time away. Like that's what we need to do. But it's so, so steady that we just don't have the chance. But also what, besides rescuing dogs, we also do the clinic and outreach events in Cleveland, Texas, where we do free vetting, basic vetting for owned dogs. And that's twice a month. So if we're not rescuing dogs, we're doing something with Cleveland and just helping, helping the owners out there and, and the dogs out there. I think that helps us go because we see what we, what we're helping. And when, when we hear from the community in Cleveland that what we're doing makes a difference, I think that really helps us too and, and pushes us some more. I mean, I think you say, don't say the dogs, but it, not necessarily the dogs, but just seeing the transformation, seeing how much people enjoy going through that and seeing, you know, them on the back end of their transformation and, and all the success stories just kind of excites you to, you know, want to do that again. It totally makes sense. Can I make an observation too? Because I know as soon as I asked that you, and through the whole interview, you, you've both been like looking to each other. And I wonder too, as difficult as things might be when you have a dog eating poop in the backyard, it must be really amazing to have someone who doesn't just see the work that you're doing, but is very much hands-on in it with you and can empathize in a very real way. And having a partner that you share that with because I think we do see a lot of rescuers who just feel totally alone. It can be lonely work, especially when you're roaming the streets and you're crawling under dumpsters to help animals and doing different things. I would also like to just say, it seems like the two of you make a great team and you probably are making each other stronger in this work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I shouldn't be answering questions for you though. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with us. We're so excited that people are going to be able to hear more about everything that you're doing. I know, like I said, anyone who has any curiosity, you need to check out This Is Houston because these dogs tell a story all their own. Thank you so much for chatting with us and we loved having you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We were truly so honored to bring Laura and Tom on to talk about the amazing work they're doing in Houston. It's so inspirational watching these animals transform into the happiest healthy animals. And it's amazing that this couple is willing to put their hearts and really lives on the line when it comes to rescuing these animals. To learn a little bit more about This Is Houston, you can check our show notes or our blog. 
And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly. That's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks guys.